You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 43. I'm your host, Emily Carney. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. Dr. Bussey, thank you so much for joining us again on our show. Thank you, Emily. I'm so excited to be back on here and get to chat with you and have your audience listen. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm excited about our topic too. Um, it's if any of you haven't listened to our previous podcast, uh, Betsy has a doctor of physical therapy and she specializes in pelvic floor dysfunction. So for those who are listening who haven't heard the previous episodes that we've done with you, the mini-sodes actually, they're only about like 10, 15 minutes. So this is the first full-length episode that we're doing with you. Uh, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are, where you live, and your background uh, in pelvic floor dysfunction? Absolutely. So I am a Midwest girl. I'm from Michigan. I moved to California where I got my doctorate degree, and that's where I met my husband. And we now have a little baby who's 19 months old. Um, We lived in Colorado for a stint, and now we are back in Michigan. I have worked several years as a pelvic floor physical therapist, working with men and women who have any type of gut, abdominal, or pelvic pain. It's kind of, we call ourselves pelvic floor physical therapists, but we treat a wide range of diagnoses within the the core and pelvic region. And as I was working as a pelvic floor physical therapist, I really came to love working with pregnant and postpartum moms. And I realized that there was a lot of education that pregnant moms were not getting about their bodies before they went into labor. And that is what sparked my interest in creating a virtual birth course that helps women prepare themselves physically, mentally, and spiritually for birth. So right now I'm working completely 100% virtual, which is something as a hands-on physical therapist, I never thought this is where my career would take me, but it's been a lot of fun to dive into the online world and connect with moms all over the nation to help them feel confident and empowered and to be an advocate for their birth. So that is a little bit of background knowledge about where I am and what I've been doing. I've been taking, as you know, uh, your birth class. I'm about halfway through it, the push lab. And I was so excited when I first heard that you were doing a birthing class because I, you know, I I think that you mentioned that there's no other physical pelvic floor physical therapist who actually offers a birthing class. And it just makes sense to me that a pelvic floor physical therapist should be involved in the coaching of how to birth a child since it involves all of those muscles. And so I've really enjoyed going through the, the course myself, even though it's, it's my second child. So I never thought I would be taking another birth class since I already have had a child. Uh, but given my history that I know that I've talked about on the podcast before of pushing uh, and or my postpartum recovery. And then also I just heard you talking a couple of weeks ago on your Instagram about how to push correctly. And that just blew my mind because no one has ever told me that. And I realized, oh, shoot, I I pushed my daughter out the wrong way uh, or the way that is the, the worst for your pelvic floor. Yeah. And that's the way that they coach you to push. Um, they're coaching you to push with your mouth closed and to bear down. And that was how my OBGYN tried to coach me through my labor. And I was actually really surprised because she knew I was a pelvic floor therapist and I just assumed she understood that I taught different ways to push. And so after I went through my own birth, I realized, okay, wait a minute. I was disappointed by my labor and delivery class. I was disappointed with the coaching I got in the birth room. You know, I think I need to create something for women out there so that they can be educated in this. And Surprisingly enough, you said, you know, you never thought that you'd be taking a birth class again, being, you know, your second pregnancy. I've actually found that a lot of the moms that are taking my course are in their second, third, or even fourth pregnancy. And 
they were disappointed with how it went the first time and they want to learn how to push in a different way. They want to feel more supported and they want to feel like an advocate in the birth room, um, not just someone who's being told what to do, where to, you know, how to push, what position to be in, you know, take this medication, do this intervention. They want to understand what their options are and how they can be supportive of their body. So it's been a really, a really fun class to teach. And I'm so happy that you're taking it. It's been fun to have you in there. Well, you're so right that I just remember for my daughter that they, they don't really offer you a whole lot. And I guess I didn't really think about it too much. And they just say, okay, put your feet in the stirrups and push and push. I I think they told me to just basically like push as hard as you can. (laughs) Oh, which probably wasn't, wasn't the greatest uh, advice. Maybe to, to get the baby out. I don't know. And I did have an epidural, a light epidural. So I probably, um, it was hard to feel everything, but yeah, just, just so excited to continue the course and everything. Well, for this topic uh, that we're talking about today, the healthy gut bowel movements, I know that it's not a glamorous topic to necessarily talk about, but it's so, so important to talk about it. Um, I know one of the things that we'll probably start talking about is something like the squatty potty. I remember that uh, my brother-in-law actually got a squatty potty years ago and I saw it in their bathroom when I went to go over to my sister's house. And I just, I thought it was so weird. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's probably some weird quackery, like trendy thing. Like why would you need a squatty potty, all that? And then after, after all of my, uh, you know, recovery and everything with my daughter, we have a squatty potty in every single bathroom. You know, I think we got it at Costco. I want to say like, let's say we got a Yes, the like, two pack at Costco. Yes, that's it. Okay, so I'm not just making that up. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they have like a two pack. But yeah, I mean, then we have one for every single bathroom, and now we're probably the weird ones that people come over to their house and they're like, oh my gosh, what is this thing in their bathroom? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I know, but they're missing out. Exactly. So I know that <laughs> I know that we'll get into that. Uh, but starting off. Um, you know, that gut health is something that most people don't know about and they don't know that pelvic floor physical therapy can even help. I know that I'm sure you've heard moms joke about, you know, peeing their pants or just having incontinence issues in general, and it's just accepted. And the majority of women that I know are so, I don't know why this is, but they're just so resistant on actually getting help. And I don't really know why that is. Um, but that's one reason why I wanted you to come back on just to educate our listeners, our mothers, and it would be great if you could break down what diagnosis pelvic floor physical therapy can help when it comes to the the gut health. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people, first of all, haven't even heard of pelvic floor physical therapy, or they think we just help with urinary incontinence. So leaking pee when we're coughing, sneezing, laughing, you know, running or jumping, chasing our kids. But we actually do work a lot with gut health. So we help with symptoms such as, or diagnoses such as irritable bowel syndrome, which is IBS. We help with rectal prolapses or a rectocele. Those are two different types of prolapse that involve your rectum that women can have from chronic straining on the toilet. We were just talking about you know, using that squatty potty, or they can sustain this from childbirth, which leads into we also help with hemorrhoids. We can help with tailbone or rectal pain. And we work a lot with women who have constipation, whether it's, you know, situational, it's something they're dealing with only during their pregnancy, or maybe it's something that has been chronic and they've had it for a very long time. We also help with fecal urgency, which is where you just have this overwhelming need and urge to go to the bathroom. Like you think you're going to poop your pants, you're not going to make it in time. That type of urge is not normal. We also help with fecal leakage. So many women, they are having fecal incontinence when they go back to exercise or if they have to run after after their toddler, like I said. And these are things that nobody feels comfortable talking about this. I mean, I didn't know that this existed before I went into PT school. And even now, it's not like I'm going to call up my girlfriends and be like, are you also having fecal incontinence? You know, it's just something you don't, <laughs> right. don't want to talk about. But 
So I think a lot of people are resistant to going when it comes to gut health because they're just not aware that something can be done from it. And it's terribly embarrassing to bring up even to your primary care physician or your OBGYN. Um, So that is just a list of some of the conditions that we do help that many people don't know. We can help you in so many ways. Um, Just to give an example, IBS, for example, obviously we can't cure the IBS, but our body responds to an autoimmune disease such as IBS in a way where the pelvic floor physical therapist, we can help teach you proper bowel and bladder behavior. We can assess what you're eating, how, what is the, the right, how regular are you? How are your muscles and nerves responding to this autoimmune disease? Um, And I'll get into a little bit of that later, but we can help with basically the, the body, the muscles are kind of like a blanket around our gut. And if something's going on inside the outside, the muscles, the nerves, the ligaments, they are affected too. And that's what we can help. So we can't take away that diagnosis, but we can make your life livable. We can help you get back to those activities you want to do without symptoms. And there's nothing better than helping someone get back to running or their yoga class without worry of leaking gas or leaking urine or feces. So it's a really great profession that we can help you. I remember reading an article a couple of years ago when I first was researching what pelvic floor physical therapy could help with after my recovery with my daughter. And I remember reading about this one woman who, who did have, you know, the, the fecal leakage and urgency and all that. And she was an avid runner. I mean, she was in amazing shape and, uh, I guess before she got help, she just quit her running group and, you know, everyone was wondering, you know, why aren't you running? And because it was too embarrassing to like explain to her friends and her, (laughs) her running partners of why she, she didn't want to go running with them. And then she did go to pelvic floor physical therapy and then she no longer had that issue. And, and of course she only had that after having her child that was definitely related to childbirth, pregnancy and childbirth. But it took her, mm-hmm. I think, I want to say like a year she wasn't running or at least wasn't running with the group. And she wished that she would have heard about it sooner. And I just, that was just crazy to me to think that no doctor had recommended it to her or it just wasn't common enough knowledge for women in general to know that they could actually get help with something like that to the point where you she just had to change her lifestyle and give up something that she really loved. So that really made an impact on me that, you know, even though this stuff is embarrassing to talk about, I mean, obviously you don't have to broadcast it to all of your friends, like, you know, maybe only a couple close friends. If you're, (laughs) if you're at that level with, you know, maybe one or two close friends, um, you know, maybe, maybe you could confide in them or something, but it is, it is definitely embarrassing to talk about um, because of the stigma and everything. And I, and I like what you said too about um, not necessarily always being able to cure certain things such as IBS, but it can help you because I just know for myself personally that obviously I don't think I would ever consider myself cured from SPD, but basically like 95 or 99% cured depending on the day after I had my daughter. Uh, But that would have been impossible without pelvic floor physical therapy. So um, I'm kind of curious when you say IBS, would Crohn's disease also fall into that category too? Okay. And SIBO. Yeah. We treat a lot of autoimmune gut related uh, disorders or diseases, however you want to say, um, but it's really giving people tools on how they deal with flare-ups and how they deal with, you know, being able to get back to whatever it is that they want to do. I mean, sometimes people are like, I just want to be able to sit through a movie without having to get up because I'm worried of, you know, leaking gas or maybe I'm, I have to wear, you know, a pad and I'm worried that I smell, you know, these It really does affect your life. And like you were saying, that poor woman, her life was running. She was a competitive runner. And to have to delay that for a year, I mean, that affects mental health. It affects, you know, so much when we don't have 
the answers and we don't know where to turn. So that's on our medical system, but it's also on us pelvic floor PTs to do more to market to, you know, the right people, the right doctors so that they do know we exist. And we're certainly trying, but it's a slow and steady process for sure. That's why so many of us have taken to the internet to just try to reach, you know, women, reach moms from their phones so they can learn about this and know rather than wait for a healthcare practitioner to make that referral for them. Definitely. I, I actually didn't really realize that you could help with so many different areas of autoimmune diseases because I, I have a family member who struggles with Crohn's. So I'm definitely going to mention that. Uh, and just as you were saying too, with the healthcare providers, I've noticed that some are a lot better than others. Um, for this pregnancy, I have a different OB and uh, surprisingly, even though he's a male and you wouldn't expect that as much for a male OB that he is, I mean, he doesn't know obviously everything that pelvic floor physical therapists know about the pelvic floor, but he d- knows about pelvic floor physical therapy and is just very quick to say, okay, you know, if, if you're having that issue, go see pelvic floor physical therapist. I'll write you a prescription just very easily. That's great. Versus another OB that I had seen in the past. I didn't, well, I, I should clarify, I it was actually more of the nurse practitioners that I saw because the OBs were, were so busy. But but the nurse practitioners and the physician assistants, they definitely were not as educated in that either because I, you know, it was so hard for me to even get a prescription in the first place because they were just kind of clueless on what exactly was happening. Um, but I'm glad that they eventually... They eventually did, obviously, but uh, it's definitely just as you were saying, the healthcare practitioners is really good when they're on board with it. Yes, um, absolutely. So this next question is actually something that's kind of <laughs> relevant for me recently, and I'm sure like most most women who are pregnant have experienced this at some point. So constipation, yes, <laughs> which is the second question. Uh, I know that many pregnant women deal with constipation. I have my pregnancy app and that's basically a symptom every week. I feel like a pregnancy is like, you may have constipation this week. And luckily I've avoided it for my entire pregnancy, except last week. I'm like, okay, I guess this is just, I don't know. I feel like the baby grew like two pounds in a week (laughs) or something. So maybe that had part part to do with it. Uh, But what are some actionable steps that we can take to help ease constipation? Sure. Yeah. So I really wanted to dig deep into what we can do when we have constipation, because I think a lot of us deal with this. And oftentimes we just think, oh, take a laxative. Um, And over time, that can be unhealthy for us. And there's a lot that we can do. And I know that in this world we live in with coronavirus, I know that it's hard to get in to see providers or maybe you know, you have three under three and just getting to an appointment is just not going to happen. So this advice I want to give, I think everyone deserves to have this advice. And I want to tell you, I did a lot of these things wrong until I learned about this. So um, I'm going to write this all out and we'll have it, you know, in the show notes for all of you. So you can come back and just see these actionable steps you can take to help keep yourself regular because, I mean, I think it's 80% of the serotonin is created in our gut. Like our mental health is just so tied in to us having regular bowel movements. So I first want to just define constipation is when you're um, not having a bowel movement at least once every three days. But really we want to make try to have a goal of at least every other day with one healthy bowel movement being every day would be the best. So the first tip I have for you is to set yourself up for success. And this goes back to that squatty potty we were talking about. We want to get in a position where our knees are much higher than our hips. So essentially it feels like you're sitting in the toilet, but you're in a squat position and there's anatomical reasons for being in that position. I know it looks silly, like you were saying, having that squatty potty um, in the bathroom, but Humans, we defecated for centuries in a squat position. That was how we did it, as crazy as that sounds. And also, some other cultures still squat on the ground when they go to the bathroom? I believe, yes. I believe there are other cultures. I think a lot of places in Asia, you kind of just squat down and go. That's how their public 
I mean, I could be speaking so wrong about this, but yes, um, the American toilet is very high. It keeps getting higher because as we get older, it's harder to sit down in a low position. Um, so if you've ever been in like a really old house and you notice the toilet seats are much lower than what you might see now, um, and the higher they get, the harder it is to go. So it's, it would be better if they were lower to the ground. And that's why the squatty potty helps solve that. Um, but when we're in the correct position, it actually relaxes the pelvic floor. When we sit in a toilet without our knees being higher than our hips, the pelvic floor muscles are actually in a shortened, tight position. So now we actually have to kind of push and bear down, sometimes through a breath hold, which isn't healthy for our organs over time. And that can cause issues. Um, it can make it harder to go. So the first tip is to just set yourself up for success. If you don't have a squatty potty, you can grab a box, you can grab a footstool, you can pile up old books. I mean, whatever you have to get those feet up, knees up is going to help you. Um, the second tip is to slow down the process. And I know this is hard being a mom, but you don't want to rush a bowel movement. So oftentimes, I'm now understanding how hard this is. I used to just tell my patients, just relax when you go. But now I have a toddler and I understand that is really difficult when he's, you know, destroying the bathroom. <laughs> um, so what I've learned is to have special bathroom toys that I only get out when I'm in there so I can have a couple minutes of peace. Um, and the thing is, when we have a ball movement, there's so much going on with our nervous system. If we are you know, trying to pull our toddler away from the toilet brush and trying to, you know, we're just, we're high, we're, we have a lot of stress and we're moving all over trying to grab our kids or talk to them or calm them down. Our body is tense and it's not going to help our um, bowel movement. It's going to actually kind of slow things down. So it, whatever you have to do, maybe they only get to watch, little baby bum or whatever age they are they get to watch something on your phone for That's the time. An appropriate video for the for the yeah, exactly. toilet right now. it actually really is I didn't even think of that I just that's what I put on for my son um so whatever you have to do to get them to be distracted there's something right turn on music um and we just really need that parasympathetic nervous system the rest and digest nervous system to be triggered we can't be stressed. We can't be rushed. The next tip is to pay attention to your urges. So don't ignore the urge to go. I've had to talk and walk through this with a lot of my patients who they only want to have a bowel movement in their home, but they have an hour and a half commute to work. They work a 10 hour day, you know, they're away from their oh, house, wow. right? So they, they've got to do, they've got to have a bowel movement out in public. Mm -hmm. And there's right. a lot of <laughs> There's a lot of anxiety that people have around that. So we talk through it, but you don't want to continue to ignore the urge over time because your body will eventually stop giving you that urge. So maybe you were having an urge to go every day, but then you, you know, took that new job and now you aren't home as much. And so it's harder for you to go in the morning. You don't have the time and you just keep ignoring that urge eventually those urges will become less and less and that can lead to chronic constipation. So when you have an urge to defecate, the rule is usually just go when go right away if you can, but try not to wait longer than 10 to 15 minutes. That's the rule of thumb there. Um, moving on to my next tip is to drink half your body weight in ounces of water daily. So if you were to weigh 120 pounds, you'd want to drink 60 ounces of water a day. And it's not something that we can really play catch up on. It's something that we should be sipping water throughout the day. Of course, if you're pregnant or if you are breastfeeding, you need to be drinking much more than that. But when we chug water, it actually leaves our system. We're peeing out more than we're retaining. So it's not really helping us. Um, it's not really helping soften our stool. So when we're dehydrated, it really slows down our the transit, so the movement in our gut, and it really hardens our feces and makes it harder to go. Um, some other surprising little tips. Smoothies can make some people constipated over time because we're blending our food. And when we're not chewing, when we chew, it helps increase digestive enzymes in our gut. So if we are drinking a smoothie every day and we're noticing that we're just, our bowel movements are getting harder, 
it could be that smoothie. Some people, I found some of my patients, they've been drinking a smoothie every day their entire life and they're fine. So I don't know why it's okay for some and not okay for others, but I do know that it does kind of throw a wrench in those digestive enzymes um, being activated. And then also carbonated drinks, those can also be constipating for some people. So I know LaCroix and the sparkling water is all the rage. Um, but for some that can hinder things as well. So that's just something to pay attention to as well. And then what was your question? Do electrolytes help at all? Because I noticed this past month, just being in the third trimester that obviously I drink water, a lot of water, try to stay hydrated as you were saying, but then you end up peeing, peeing it out. Um, so I started drinking coconut water for electrolytes, but is that something, does electrolytes help with the bowel movements or is that just more of a hydration thing? They, it helps with the hydration. I would say that it, yeah, it inadvertently helps with bowel movements and that it's helping you be more hydrated. So that this would, that would help with constipation in this sense. If it was a, I've never heard of a carbonated electrolyte drink, but if that was out there, that may or may not be helping you, but no, coconut water, those electrolyte drinks, those are safe to drink, and those definitely help with hydration. Um, so I'd say those are safe if you are struggling with sluggish um, bowel movements during your pregnancy or if anyone is struggling with that at any point in motherhood. Those should be okay to drink. Um, that was a good question. My next tip is to pay attention to how stress affects your body. Um, I can just simply tell you to manage your stress levels, right? But what does that even mean in 2020? Um, I don't know, you know, self-care, taking time for yourself, doing the activities that you like, but it's actually really important to pay attention to how your body physically responds to stretch, stress. Um, when we manage our stress levels, we help get into that parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest system. Um, so even if you can step away from a busy day and do five minutes of restorative breathing to help calm your nervous system, that's going to help with your gut health, surprisingly. It's going to make a huge difference rather than us being in this go, go, go mentality or very stressed thinking about you know all of the things, the to-do list, what the to-do list was yesterday that you still haven't gotten to. You know, it all adds up. Um, but when I say pay attention to how your body responds to, to stress, a lot of us tend to grip our stress. So we internalize it in some area of our body. So what I mean by that is some of us are jaw clenchers. So we really clench our jaw tight when we are stressed, or even if we're just busy. I mean, a lot of times busyness is actually stress. Oftentimes we clench our shoulder blades together. So we have tension in our shoulders or our neck. Many times we are belly grippers, so we just kind of suck our belly in. And a lot of us postpartum moms have this habit just out of wanting to kind of suck things in um, to appear a little bit slimmer. Or sometimes we clench our pelvic floor, so it's like we're doing a Kegel all the time, or we clench our glutes, so our butt muscles. So these clenching patterns are a way of coping with external stress. And oftentimes, if we're clenching, we are decreasing the motility in our gut. So if we're clenching our abdominal muscles, we're actually not allowing the movement of everything through our intestines to allow for healthy um, bowel movements. So many times I treat postpartum moms who they're dealing with constipation. They thought it would go away after they had their babies, but they are just habitually clenching their belly because they are you know, self-conscious of the soft belly that we all have after we have babies. I mean, and I, I have a tendency to do this too. So what you do is you check in throughout the day. Where am I holding tension? Am I clenching my jaw? Am I clenching my pelvic floor? Can I let my belly relax? By just allowing our bodies to relax, even in a stressful moment, we are allowing our gut, we are allowing our bowels to move, to do what they need to do. So we can live in a stressful world. We can have stress, but we can really we can really take steps to make sure that it is not affecting our muscles. 
so we can do diaphragmatic breathing, we can set a little timer on our watch or um, like every hour, just a little buzz on our phone to check in, you know, can I de-stress? Can I take a couple breaths? Can I let this tension go? You'll find over time, these small, small changes will make a difference in your overall gut health. And my last little bit of advice is to do the ILU belly massage. If you have a baby, you probably learned to do this on your baby at some point where you are massaging in the direction that your intestines move. So the direction that everything is moving through the gut. And I'll be sure to upload a little image or send it your way, Emily, so you can attach it um, so you guys can see what that looks like. But by providing massage to that area, you're helping things move along. So you're helping with overall gut motility and gut health there too. So that is seven different things, you know, small changes, you know, working on not internalizing stress, working on just sipping your water throughout the day. These small changes will make a difference and can really help a mama who, you know, just feels like she doesn't have time to see a pelvic therapist right now, or, you know, maybe there's a financial limitation, something of that. I think this is information every mom deserves to have. And these are things that I did not know, like I said, until I started taking these pelvic floor courses. I wasn't using a squatty potty. I was chugging water maybe three times a day because I was so busy. And making these changes will help <laughs> overall. Are there any of these, Emily, that you feel like you need to work on? Oh, yes, <laughs> definitely. When I was listening, I, I was just thinking how, I mean, just <laughs> when you're talking about the stress and even just being busy can cause or cause the effects of having stress on your body. I mean, I, I can't really remember a single time in my entire life where I didn't feel some some sort of stress. So that it's always a little laughable whenever, uh, at least to me, whenever people are like, oh, you know, are you stressed when they're asking, you know, how you're doing or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm always stressed. You know, it's just kind of like a borderline stress, <laughs> which I'm, I'm sure that most moms can kind of <laughs> relate to that. But just as you were saying, it's it's okay if maybe you're super busy throughout the day. I mean, I don't know a mom of any toddler who doesn't, or a baby who doesn't feel like they're just constantly busy, just taking those five minutes or, you know, just asking your spouse to, you know, watch the kids and just recognizing your limits and say, hey, I, I need a break just so you can de-stress a little bit that 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 definitely helps. And just knowing to ask for the help too, because I, I know that when my daughter was first born, I think for a lot of women that it's just hard to actually get the words out of your mouth. You kind of just expect your husband to be a, a mind reader to know, <laughs> for them to know like, well, yeah, you should know to watch the kids, which I mean, I assume some, some husbands are like that. And obviously my husband's gotten better at that. But at first, you know, that's something that you just have to directly ask, say, hey, can you watch the kids for like half hour, hour, I need a break. Just being super direct about that is really helpful. So, um, but no, I love all of these tips too. And I, I definitely needed to be reminded of <laughs> of the tip. <laughs> I, I, I do have some follow-up questions for a few few different points. So I'm, I'm just going to go through those. Um, sure. And then also... I know that we were talking about the squatty potty. I, I realize that I, I don't think we really explained what it is. If anyone listening doesn't actually know what it is, it's just, it's not a whole different toilet because I, I realize the name squatty potty kind of sounds like, oh, it's a, it's a oh, toilet. Yeah. It it's does just sound like, like that. A plastic that at least most of them are just a, a piece of pla uh, plastic that you just prop your feet up on when you're going to the bathroom and I was just Googling it just to see what the cost is. It looks like you can get it for $24.99 at Bed Bath & Beyond and Target. And, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond has those coupons too. So it'd be even less. So it's a super small investment for something that can really help you. And Costco, as you know, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that they have the two packs sometimes. So if it's in stock, that yes, that as well. Um, yeah. And then... I was just curious too. So I, I was just Googling, you know, the, the floor potties that we were talking about. And that is surprisingly the, uh, the squat toilet. I guess another word for that is like Asian toilets or Indian or Turkish toilets, because 
people in the West don't really ever use that. <laughs> but in Japan and in some other Eastern countries that they still actually have a ceramic toilet on the floor, which is crazy. <laughs> which yeah, sounds crazy to us, but they probably have a lot better gut health. I should look into research. <laughs> yeah, it's Western also on the, Western on the Wikipedia health. page, it's so funny for the squat toilet. They actually show the sample squat toilet is uh in Saline, Michigan. <laughs> so, no way. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, yeah, so sort of near where you're you're living. But anyways, yeah. so the questions that I was wondering about, which I often hear these different um, different foods or whatever mentioned when it comes to gut health. I'm curious what you think of kombucha because I know that a lot of people take that or, or even probiotics. What are, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah. So kombucha can be great for gut health. Probiotics are also great. I've learned that if you're taking a probiotic and it's not making a difference, it's probably time for you to see somebody that can run some tests. Um, functional medicine doctors they are few and far between. There's also, also naturopaths, but they can run a lot of tests to see what's going on with your gut. I have one patient that stands out in my mind. She, So a probiotic helps increase like the flora in your gut. And she was just taking so many probiotics. And finally, she was tested. And she had like 300 times the amount of gut flora that she needed. So she actually needed to take something that was going to decrease Oh my God. That in her, in her gut. So I, this was like the first time I'd heard of that. And I was like, okay. So so I think probiotics are good. I think over time, our body kind of adjusts and gets used to them. Mm. The same goes for like, if you take Metamucil um, or whatever your fiber you're using, you want to try to switch it up. So maybe if something really works for you the next month, try something else Um, just to allow variety in our gut. Um, so we don't just get used to it over time, but kombucha can be helpful for some people to help regulate bowel movements and probiotics are great. I've never heard of that either. That's, that's crazy about having too, too many as a possibility of the, of the flora or the good flora. What about yogurt? Because isn't, don't most yogurts have probiotics or not all, or is yogurt, is that a good thing? You know, I... So not being a nutritionist, I, I know that a lot of us have a hard time digesting dairy um, as adults. Mm. And I think that the probiotic levels in yogurt is much less than, say, a probiotic that wouldn't have, you know, the lactose in it. Um, so I think that it's kind of just an individual, it goes individual by individual, whether or not you can tolerate mm. yogurt in general. Um, the other thing to watch out too is a lot of yogurts have a lot of sugar in them, which can oh, yeah. um, not be very beneficial for our gut. Um, there's a lot of, you know, new stuff coming out about the harms <laughs> of sugar, but definitely something worth trying. You know, if, if people, if you're eating yogurt and you're noticing that it's helping, keep going with it. If it's not making a difference, right. try something else. I really like the Siggy's yogurt because it's sweetened, but it, it's a very low amount of sugar or just like the plain Greek yogurt is or more might go to. Yeah. Plain Greek yogurt. Siggy's is really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. So how about uh, calcium magnesium? So I, I noticed at least for me that when I was postpartum, I was taking calcium magnesium still just because I was breastfeeding and I wanted to make sure I was getting enough calcium. Uh, and then obviously like the magnesium helps with the absorption, but one of my friends who was recovering from a C-section and she was on some painkillers, she was really struggling with constipation. And then I kept on telling her about calcium magnesium. And then she finally tried it and she's like, oh my gosh, I should have tried that sooner. Is that something that you recommend for uh, most patients or what are your thoughts on, on calcium magnesium? Um, no, I agree that it can be helpful. Yeah. Calcium or just a magnesium, um, supplement is really beneficial for constipation. I mean, if you're, if you're taking like a prenatal and there's not any in there, then definitely supplementing with that would be important. I know that you, you're not a nutritionist, uh, but at what point 
in your treatment of your patients, uh, would you ever consider referring them to a nutritionist because you just realize, okay, this, this isn't working and you kind of need to get some outside help um, since everything that you normally would recommend doesn't, isn't really helping? Uh, good question. So when I see someone for a diagnosis, if it's just simply constipation, let's say they don't have a diagnosis of IBS or Crohn's disease or something, um, I do a thorough intake of what I want to see what they're eating on a day-to-day basis. And if it's if they if I think they need nutrition counseling, I refer out immediately because I know I can't give that. But if they are eating, they've got um, good nutrition in place. They are taking already taking a probiotic, or maybe they've been taking the calcium, magnesium. Um, but I find things like you know maybe they're gripping their belly, maybe they're mechanics for taking for bowel movement isn't good. Maybe they have a very high stress job. Um, after I do a pelvic floor and abdomen exam, maybe I find a lot of tense muscles. So if we have a lot of muscle knots in our pelvic floor, even in our hip muscles or in our abdomen, so our abdominal core muscles, I can help with that. If I can help release tension there, if I can do all of the things um, in my toolkit, and things aren't getting better, then I definitely refer out to a nutritionist. Um, But I never really try to manage anyone's nutrition that's not really in our wheelhouse. But I do recommend, you know, different types of fiber. I have a a handout that I give them on different fibers, and I tell them, look, some of these help, some of them don't help. It just It's really case by case. So I tell them where to start, we try that. But if I'm seeing a lot of red flags, for example, like, significant belly bloating that tells me something um, perhaps there's something going on autoimmune wise um, I take a look at their skin you know if there's a, um, a lot of redness or even rashes if they have other symptoms that raise my concern that maybe there is an autoimmune disease going on like you know joint pain and they're in their 30s you know things of that nature I will refer out to the right person Um but oftentimes, I see these people after they've been through the gamut. They've seen their primary care physician. They've seen, um, you know, a nutritionist. They've ended up seeing the the gut health experts. They they go through everyone, and then finally, they come to see me, and I'm more helping them with the day to day changes that they can make in their lifestyle, that they can make within mm. their own body to help live with what's going on. Um, that makes a lot of sense because most people probably would go see a nutritionist first. And then since most people don't know about pelvic floor physical therapy or they're apprehensive, that's probably unfortunately mm-hmm. their last choice. So it would make sense that they would already have made those changes and, and that you can help them the best with whatever issues that they're struggling with. Yeah, and I've had really great working relationships with gastroenterologists who have just immediately referred um, to us. And then there's gastroenterologists who are like, what would a pelvic floor therapist help with this? You know, Um, (laughs) so it's, but typically when it comes to these gut disorders, oftentimes they've seen quite a few doctors before me. Right. I mean, I, I just, as you said, at the very beginning of this episode, I knew that pelvic floor physical therapy could help with some things like fecal urgency or leakage or whatnot, but I had no idea that it could help with, you know, just disorders in general of, of the gut. That's amazing and incredible. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's not something that maybe it's, you have a, you know, a disease that maybe you'll live with forever, right? But you don't have to suffer in silence, right? We can find ways to live a healthy, pain-free, discomfort-free life. Um, and that's, I think, pelvic floor physical therapy is such a big piece of the puzzle when it comes to gut and abdominal health. So I hope if any of you are listening out there, maybe you've been struggling with one of these things that we've talked about. Um, maybe you weren't even struggling with constipation. It was something we talked about early on in the beginning. Just know that my profession, we don't judge. We've heard it all. We're here to talk so openly about your bowel movements. I mean, we have no shame when it comes to talking about this. And I, I really hope that you feel empowered to reach out to us and to get that help that you deserve. Um, you don't have to live with this in silence. You really don't. 
That's so true. And just as you said, I mean, I've seen at least probably five to eight different pelvic floor physical therapists, um, you know, some just specializing in different areas. And it's amazing how, how comfortable I always am talking to them about my issues. I've never felt weird or shameful about it the way that I do with other people because they're so passionate about the pelvic floor. And that's obviously why they became physical pelvic floor physical therapists too, because that seems like an area that you would only get into if that is really your passion. It's not something that you would just accidentally become. Yes. And I've trained, um, I've mentored new physical therapists who, you know, two months in, they've realized this is not for me, you know, um, right. And they feel bad quitting a job so early, but I'm like, look, this is not a job that you just <laughs> grin and bear it. If you are uncomfortable <laughs> with this, go work with children or go, you know, find a different area of physical therapy. Do good there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we're exactly. here to help. So my last question is, since we've been talking about, you know, the different ways to push and how to properly have a bowel movement. Does having a proper bowel movement with the pushing the right way and everything that you've been talking about, does that help you prepare for pushing a baby out the right way? Ooh, that's a good question. So I didn't really even touch on this, but right. So when you have a bowel movement, we're not supposed to hold our breath and push. Um, And all of those tips that I gave you should help set you up for a bowel movement where you're not doing that. Um, But yes. So if you are pregnant and you're thinking, oh my gosh, my entire life, I have held my breath and gotten red in the face. And that's the only way I can have a bowel movement. That's an indication um, that you probably need to see a pelvic floor therapist to help you learn how to push correctly or, you know, sign up for my course, but also see a therapist um, in person to have your pelvic floor evaluated. Sometimes we are just very uncoordinated in our pelvic floor and having to hold your breath and push is a sign of you know, not being very coordinated. Um, sometimes when I assess a patient, I ask them to contract and they relax. And when I ask them to relax, they contract. So like they, they're doing the opposite. Um, and oh wow! if you are having great bowel movements, you breathe through them, you don't have to push, you've got the setup, you know, you feel very in tune down there. Yeah, that's a really good sign that I think pushing during labor is going to go well. Um, you know, but the, I was just talking, I had this whole thing on my Instagram, um, and I think Emily, you saw some of it, but a very well-known account on Instagram came out and was saying, you know, just make sure that you hold your breath and push like you're having a bowel movement when you're in labor. And I think that is one of the biggest misconceptions out there when it comes to birth. And that's what my push lab tries to teach you is a more intuitive way to push without straining your organs and your ligaments, um, because when we push with our m- mouth closed, with our red face, we're actually tensing the pelvic floor muscles themselves. And if the muscles are tense, mm. um, they've got to get out of the way in order to, to have a baby, right? So they'll end up tearing right. instead right. of stretching and lengthening appropriately. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think how we have a bowel movement, to answer your question, can be an indication of how our pelvic floor is going to respond to birthing a baby. Which is crazy, right? No one thinks of that. (laughs) So that's why I go through all of this in the course. Just a healthier way to push, how to tap into the muscles and understand what you're asking your body to do. And understanding the anatomy. So many of us go into our labor and we don't understand our own body. How can we push out a baby if we don't even know what's going on down there, right? So I I do teach anatomy in this course. Um, at a digestible level, but it's to help understand the pelvic floor and understand what the role is. Um, I could keep going on. There's another misconception that we just need to be kegeling for a strong pelvic floor for a healthy labor, but that can also be imperative if our muscles are too tight, like we just talked about. Um, you know, so there's a lot of misconceptions in the birth world, and that's really what my course is doing is dispelling those myths because I'm just tired of hearing women postpartum wish that they had learned a different way, a better way, you know, a more intuitive way to birth a baby. I'm so excited to get to that part of your birth class to talk about the pushing because, you know, as I already mentioned at the beginning of the episode, that I definitely pushed the wrong way with my daughter and 
tour and had a big postpartum journey. So hopefully pushing the right way will help me. And just as you said, I, mm-hmm. I love when you get on your mini rants on your Instagram page about Kegeling. I can't help but always comment on whatever, whatever, whenever I see someone on social media and whatever group it is saying, I don't understand why I have such and such condition because I've been doing my Kegels religiously all the time. And then I have to comment every single time, like just FYI, you know, not every woman should be doing Kegels. That might be doing more harm than good. Go see a public floor physical therapist or, you know, don't do them unless you know you should be doing them. And every single time, no one knows that. And so I'm just, I'm so tired. I know that we already had that episode on not doing your Kegels. If you haven't heard it, go back and check on it. Check it out. It's only like 10 to 15 minutes long, but yeah, I, I can't handle that. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody knows. I know. And it's just, oh, it's, this is another soapbox. I just get so frustrated when I see healthcare professionals, you know, like OBs and MDs, like do your Kegels. And I'm like, you're undermining my entire (laughs) profession when you say this, like just get the, just, just write the referral and let us decide, let us do our entire assessment it is so much mm-hmm. different than a pap smear. And yeah, you're going to get me on a soapbox, but I agree. I love that you are just a warrior for pelvic floor PT yeah. on the internet. <laughs> we need more of you. It's, it's so hard for me not to be. And then, and then even the pregnancy apps too. I mean, I'm not going to oh, yeah. this, but a pregnancy app yeah, yeah. that I have. They're like, as long as you're doing your Kegels, you'll be fine. And I just have a huge Ugh. eye roll. <laughs> so anyway, I could go on and on about this, but Anyway, yeah, I'm so glad that you're able to come back on our show and talk about a healthy gut and bowel movements. And I know I personally learned so much. I had no idea. I really only knew the nutrition aspect and not any of the pelvic floor related aspects. And I Mm -hmm. was blown away that you can even help with autoimmune diseases and all these other issues that affect the gut. So thank you so much for coming on. And I'm, you know, if you haven't checked out uh, Betsy's birthing class, the Push Lab. Yes, yeah, so you'll be able to learn everything that you'd ever want to know about the Push Lab in the show notes. I'll have the link right there. And I just dive deep into exactly what you're going to be getting when you sign up. Um, every mama gets a 20-minute virtual consultation with me. We get to speak face-to-face over Google Hangouts or Zoom, whichever virtual platform you desire in 2020. And it's it's good. We get to go through any questions you have. We can practice things together. And, you know, moms are loving this. My, my students have been going into birth and I've been hearing great things about how they've just felt so empowered and so just being able to advocate for their birth and understanding what is going on. I think that's so important. We deserve to know this information. So the link will be right there for all of you. And Emily, I believe I do have a discount code for your listeners. So they'll be able to take $20 off the course and save a little bit of money. So that code will be there for you all as well. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Betsy, again. And definitely check out Betsy's birthing class. Uh, It's all online. And Betsy just has so much great information. I've been going through the course myself and it's just super helpful. So thank you so much, Betsy. Thank you for having me on, Emily. It's been a really good chat about gut health. (laughs) 